The following episode was recorded initially for the one-on-one podcast, but as the theme of our conversation follows very well the topics covered in Food Broken Promises, I decided to publish the episode again so that you don't miss out on this great conversation. So enjoy. I want to build a space where we feel the same, the same benefits that I'm giving to all of these other people, I need to be able to put it back into my community. I had decided I was going to be myself at all times. And people were either going to accept it and adjust, or they weren't. And again, you're either my people or you're not. This is One on One, a table for two production. I am Antoine Aboussamra. Our bodies are not meant to carry this much trauma and pain. The idea of being resilient is is super toxic. Every week, One on One dives into the world of food and wine through the eyes and experience of my guests. In each episode, you will discover their journey, what matters to them, the challenge they have faced, and how the world of food and wine is evolving. It's a very lonely place, particularly mentally, because, you know, while you're flying and you're building and you're getting all these things, you're also dealing with a lot of bias, racism, sexism. There's lots of trauma that comes along as a subset of being successful. Good Afternoon. It's a great pleasure to welcome Tahira Habibi, uh, the founder of the Hue Society on the one-on-one podcast. Good afternoon, Tahira. Good afternoon. Well, evening for you. Yes. Yes, but I, I, I prefer the thought of the afternoon with the sun shining and everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's actually kind of dreary here if it makes you feel better. Yeah. I, I, I was very much looking forward to our conversation. And the first thing that, that struck me when we had previous conversations, uh, preparing for today and, and discussing about life and everything, um, there's something with your name to start with. Okay? It's under the sign of love. Habibi is, 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 is love, you know, my love, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, how much is love is important in what you do in, in your life? It's, it's everything. It's ethos. It's, a, it's the foundation of where I come from. And it's, it's wild because every, every um, I'm not a very religious person. I'm a very spiritual mm-hmm. person, though. And so every day when I open my eyes, you know, I, I, I thank you for you know, allowing me to open up again. And the other thing I say is help me to come from a place of love every day. So um, I'm, I'm really grateful to my mom for setting that foundation. Like she was very intentional with our names. Um, you know, Tahara is a uh, pure and faithful, I, I, I believe is, is what it means. And um, so when she like says it back to me, she's like, my love is very pure and faithful. So I think that people do live up to their names um, intentionally or unintentionally. Sometimes I, I, I didn't really love it when I was younger, but I absolutely adore my name now. Yeah, but you, you, you can be. You can be because this world is needing a lot of love these days. And it's, <laughs> right. it's very, it's, it, it is very complicated. Mm-hmm. It, is, it is very complicated. So we're going to talk about what the youth society does. But mm-hmm. what has been happening in, in the US in, in the past days and in, in, in weeks 
has been very, very difficult. Mm-hmm. And you're you're in a in in your in your work and your 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 daily outspokenness. Um, you're trying to make changes, and when you think the things happening on and on again with the shootings, um, it must be very hard to to fathom it, to understand it, to try to see to make some sense out of it. If there's sense to be made out of it, how do you go through peers like these? Um, I just had this conversation with my team, actually, you know, with the the school shooting, um, it happened the day before national wine day. And it's, it's crazy because my team knows me well enough to know, like, we don't just go on, carry on, like the world just didn't have this travesty. And so we had this whole thing that we were posting for national wine day, like all of this stuff. And, uh, we just put up a, a, a sympathy post and, you know, a connection communal post, you know, saying like we, how we felt. And I told them like, let's, let's take a break. I don't, I don't like to just carry on as is. Um, so it's, it's really hard to do that too. Right. Cause it, it affects your business. Um, but I do think being an entrepreneur puts me in a place where I can decide how my business is, run and affected and, you know, not to just continue to, um, not hold space. I, I, but I also think that's a part of the communities is holding space because well, everybody was affected by that. I mean, if you're human, I would assume that you were, you're pretty much affected by that. And I just, I never want to, um, just go on. And, and I kind of, it's wild because uh, the day that day that it happened, National Wine Day, I did some interviews before that, and the 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 interviewer had posted the interview, and um, it got on my page. So I didn't post it. I wasn't intentionally posting. I was very much intentionally posting about like healing and you know all of that kind of stuff. And so even though I told my team and we didn't post on a business page on my personal page, it it came up. Like, you know, as then I was just like, this is not what I wanted. But, you know, it kind of just happened that way. Um, but I, I also think that taking care of yourself, um, finding some sort of peace in, um, in what you can control is really important. Um, I'm very big on meditation and, and just trying not like doing what you need to take care of yourself. So that means like taking a step away from social media for a few days not kind of getting wrapped up in it. If that means, you know, hugging your kids a, a lot tighter, um, you know, keeping them home from school. Like you don't have to follow anybody's rules for what feels good for you and in self-care, particularly in these instances, because it's just, it's so gross that the idea that we have to continue treading along with it is just, it's absurd. I saw this thing from a therapist and she said, are we supposed to just continue to give people coping skills when nothing is changing? She said, like, it's really hard to be a therapist right now. What, like, in, in being honest, what are we supposed to do? Like, are we just continue to give people coping skills when what, they're going to just have to cope with the next thing in, within a very short time period? And, you know, I said this earlier, like, our bodies are not meant to carry this much trauma and pain. The idea of being resilient is, is super toxic, right? Like we're not as humans meant to do this. And so I, I just always try to encourage people to find a healthy way to release whatever that is, whatever that means for you. And 
just find some peace because it's 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 super traumatic, especially you know being here and, and like being in it. There is a there's amount of energy in you, and <laughs> there is and and anger at the same time, but it's very peaceful and quiet from the outside. But you can feel that there's there is that 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 energy there. Yeah. You've been an entrepreneur. You you went through a lot of different things in your life, uh, successful in what you were doing. And then one day you decided to do something that had potentially more sense by creating the youth society, but fighting those injustice, etc. What what was the, the trigger point for you to to change direction or continue in the direction you started with? Or how, how did it happen? Loneliness was a big part of it. Mm-hmm. I was uh, I was flying. I was building. I was you know climbing heights, and I wasn't seeing any not reflection in anything. It's a very lonely place, um, particularly mentally. Because, you know, while you're flying and you're building and you're getting all these things, you're also dealing with a lot of bias, racism, sexism. There's lots of trauma that comes along as a subset of being successful in this industry, mostly in a lot of industries, I could say. Um, and I have anybody to talk to that was, that was relating. But I knew other people were definitely going through it that way. And um, I also have this sense of responsibility. I'm I'm very community oriented. And I had this sense of responsibility. And I felt like, man, I'm actually really good at my job. I'm really good at this. I'm doing great. I'm I'm educating all of these people. I'm getting all of this stuff. And none of it is going back into my community. None of it is impacting my community. None of this is helping them to thrive. And so I just stopped. And I was like, I'm not, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm going to start building this. So I want to build a space where we feel the same, the same benefits that I'm giving to all of these other people. I need to be able to put it back into my community. And, you know, um, Angela Davis said, you know, when you, when you, um, when you get some power, it's your job to empower somebody else. Mm-hmm. You get these degrees and all of that stuff. It's your job to, to bring that back into the community. And I, I grew up that way. You know, I grew up, um, Juneteenth isn't new to me. I've, I've known about Juneteenth since I was a child. It's new to a lot of people though, you know, just by default. Um, but I kind of grew up in, in this, in this way of like reading a lot, like my Angelou and all of these people. And I wasn't living in a way in which I felt like I was enriching the people who looked like me and that, that, that pained me. And also I was solving for my own loneliness in, in my development in this space. And so there's nothing better than community. There's nothing better than that joy and that love and that communal support, nothing. So um, that to me was more important than any dollar sign that you could pay me to kind of stay in this status quo that I was kind of dragging through. Yeah. Do you think you found your space now? Yeah. I love it here. Would you go back to yeah. your past life? No, I don't regret my past life, but I but wouldn't. Not a question of regretting, but would you do something else? Or you, this is, this is you know, it feels no. like this is no, home. Yeah. I feel like I'm, I'm living in my purpose for sure. I said this the other day. I was on a panel 
He said, what are you most proud of? And I said, if I, if I was to leave this earth today or tomorrow, I would be good. I wouldn't, I wouldn't feel like I let, I, I didn't do something. I, I, I left everything here. All the, every day I get up, I, I leave it all here. And, you know, sometimes it has limitations because I have to take care of myself, but that's also a part of leaving it here. Like being an example of self-love and self-care and all of that stuff. I, the way I'm raising my daughter, the way that I've been able to impact people in this community, the way I've been able to impact people outside of the community. I wouldn't, I would not lay on a, a bed with my final breaths and be like, dang, I wish I had no, I'm, I'm definitely, and, I, and I'm very intentional about being in my purpose and I try to be fearless about it. It's not easy and it's not glorious for sure, but, um, but I hold on to that because I, I know. Like, because as you're saying, this is not easy because when you, 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 you decide a life of service, in fact, to the community, to support them and to help them and to make a change in there. There's a lot of things that happen. There's a lot of pressure that happen because people don't really, you know, it's not yeah. people don't want change. So you are uh, bucking them, you know, you are contravening their <laughs> right. purpose. And it's like, uh, how do you how do you cope with those pushbacks and those those pressures that you get? Because it's it's it must not be easy every day. I think it's really important to always remember your why and like your purpose at the end of the thing, like you have to understand that it's not going to be like this. It's going to go like this. And sometimes it's going to go like this a lot. You're hitting a wall. Um, but I, when I, when I say I'm spiritual, I'm, I'm like, I fully 100 believe that I will always get everything that I need. I will always get all of the tools that I need to create whatever it is that I've been asked to create. I will always be okay. I will always be okay. So I might not be okay in this moment. I might not enjoy this feeling or this opposition that I'm getting, but I know that I'm intentional about surrounding myself with people who will make sure that I'm okay. I know that I'm, I'm a good person and I put really good energy out into the world. And so that's always going to come back to me. And I know that there's nothing greater than um, being, being honest and true to yourself. And so I've been in opposition <laughs> since I came into this industry, you know, I always, have been told I didn't belong here and all of that stuff, but you have to, to form. And I don't even think it's a thick skin. Yeah, I'm an incredibly emotional and sensitive person. I cry all the time. So it's not that, but knowing who you are and what your purpose is and how your gifts are supposed to impact the world is so important in, in staying grounded in, in where you are and, and, and just being able to deal with the, the, the pushback, all of that stuff. Okay. You don't get it. You're not my people. I will find my people though, but you're not my people and that's okay. And we just, you just have to keep it moving. Also expecting everybody to like you is a huge pitfall. Everybody's not going to like you. And if they do, you don't like yourself. No if they do this, yes. Because usually, uh, yeah. Yeah. There's, there is some polar polarization at the end of the day. Because what you do is 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 polarizing, as you were saying. The industry is is flawed in that sense, in terms of inclusions and diversity, and uh, for um, people of color, indigenous, etc. Th there is, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a white male-dominated industry. Mm -hmm. 
I would suppose that when you started the Hue Society and you wanted to find that more inclusion for people that didn't have those chances, you were supported by your community, but not by the industry. Is it, is yeah. it, was it the case or it was it, how did it happen oh, at, it when you started, basically? One of the most painful experiences that I've had, and I don't, I'm not even sure I ever really talked about this, is uh, my, what I, would, I would call him my mentor at the time. He, um, we were very close. We were super cool. Um, and, I, and I had this idea, yes, I'm going to make it inclusive. I'm going to you know, build this thing, this space for Black people where they can learn about wine too and blah, blah, blah. And he called me racist. He said, I wouldn't, I wouldn't support a, a Black um, I, I, wine maker, wine space thing. That's racist. You're being racist. And I was like, it, it pained me so much because I was like, God, if you don't get it, then and for a long time, I tried, I was, I was alone. I, I was, it was very polarizing. Like you said, like I, mm-hmm. I did a lot of things. I built most of this by myself, like a lot of late nights, a lot of, and I, and I had a kid at the same time. So I, I, I found this in 2016, my daughter, I mean, 2017, my daughter was born in 2016. So she was just turning one and I was a single parent. And I was just like, these were my two babies. And that's just how I looked at it. But these are my two babies. I'm going to raise her to the best of my ability. And I'm going to raise this to the best of my ability. And I just never followed anybody's limitations. People will always try and limit you with their own fears and their own um, scope of reality of what the world is. And I just, I never followed it. I never, I couldn't buy into what anybody else was saying or doing, regardless of what you look like, because Mm -hmm. it wasn't just, you know, non-black people was black people like telling me that I was crazy too sometimes, right? Um, I mean, I just, you just can't buy into it. You have to know, okay, I have this vision, I have these this, this skill set, I have these things, and I know I can make this happen. It's just going to take me a little bit longer without your support, but it's going to happen. <laughs> but when you then mentor told you that what you was what you were trying to do was racist didn't like alarm you in the sense that the changes that need to take place are even further away, further and, and bigger than what you actually expected because yeah. there's something ingrained in the relationship, in the racial relationship in the US or in, in the industry where you are that is like, damn, if that person is close to me, is thinking like that, how about the person that is not close to me? Well, you know what? It, it's it pained me, but it also like set a fire, and I was like, "Bet I got you." And it just it, and I just kept going because I had dealt with so much stuff by that time. And when I when it was kind of like when he said that, all the things that I had to deal with with him, it wasn't him doing it, but he allowed all came back to me. So all, every time I was on the floor and somebody said something racist to me. Every time I got sent away from a table and, you know, they had to go and cover it, all those things that you allowed never protected me. It all just made sense. And I didn't even realize how deep like those things had affected me or or how deep it had gone until like those moments. And I was like, so this is why you were allowing this. Okay, bet. That's it. I was just like, bet. Okay. Because the behavior was ingrained in the person. Mm -hmm. It was you, part. You felt like it was uh, acceptable. So you felt like it was growing pains for me to have to go through these things. That's what it was. 
just like you feel like it's grown pains for black people to have to have subset and subpar wines and all of these kinds of experiences to have to cold switch into other people and look a certain way and talk a certain way and all those things. Do you think that that is a part of the industry? Does this it's growing pain? It's, a, it's your dues. You think that the design. Yeah. Have you seen changes since you started? I have. I think that the biggest change is um, people are starting to be themselves. And I think that's the most wholesome and encompassing thing that you can be. Um, and that in itself radiates, right? So I walk into every room as myself. Um, once I decided I was going to do this, that was it. There was no more cold switching. There were no more suits. There was no more, you know, you can't wear braids. There was no, none of that. I had decided I was going to be myself at all times. And people were either going to accept it and adjust or they weren't. And again, you're either my people or you're not. And I keep it moving. And so I think that because I kind of laid that foundation, a lot of people come into spaces as themselves. But I also have seen the growth in the amount of black wine interest professionally and consumer mm -hmm. because you, you see more of it, but you see it from an authentic place, right? The authenticity that I'm able to bring into a space is it, it gives people permission to be authentic and, and be themselves, but they see themselves mirrored in a lot of ways. And I think that that is super important and it, and it gives people hope. I see people changing careers into the wine space. And I'm not saying that all of this is because of me. I did have an impact on it though. You know, I was one of the few people who was champion, championing black wine brands years before George Floyd came onto, into the mix. I've been doing this for a long time. It wasn't 2020, but now you see everybody's, you know, picking up on the black wine brands and, you know, it's cool to use black wine brands. I've been doing this for a long time. I made the black wine space cool with style and fashion and, you know, music and all the rest of this stuff. Now it's cool, right? And like now it's the thing. People wouldn't mention black wine brands in interviews and all the rest of that stuff. They weren't doing that. Now, and, and, I, and I love it. I The more the merrier. Yes, let's do this. Let's keep it going. Because it's just, it's just an ecosystem. Sincerely, do you think this is cosmetic? The, the fact that a lot of people are talking about it, which is great. But is the industry from inside really changing in the sense where there's more diversity, there's more inclusion, there, there's more you know, the boundaries and, and the walls that existed before, the them and us is going down and there's more some kind of integration, there's more working together. Do you see that? Or it's still... Oh, I think... So I think that capitalism will always be the mother of, of, of most change, most things, mm -hmm. right? Uh, I think that people see dollar signs now, particularly in the, in the community. And so they want to monetize it, like 100%. I also see people kind of busting through the idea of what the industry should look like. So I do see change in a way that systematically, no, it's not this, this huge leap. Mm -hmm. And after 2020, you know, 2020 was a good year for a lot of people. Sales went up, all the rest of that stuff. But you also got to see who was real about it. And you have to be grateful for 2020 for that. Because even if people only use it as a learning opportunity and they came out on the other side and you're still there, 
But then you also got to see all the people who were just using you for dollars because everybody monetized 2020 in, in Black spaces. Everybody did. And so I think being able to understand systems and that, that connection with how that works is really important. I think being able to recognize and call out when you're being used is really important. Um, and also how to use things to your own advantage is incredibly important. Um, but no, I, I, I don't see like a, a huge change. I, I see the people who were, who were left after the dust settled and it was more, it's more of them now than it was prior. So I will say that for sure. Okay, so there, there are some yeah. positive, some some way forward. How do you see yeah. your work in the shoe society, let's say in five years? Global. We're we're opening a chapter in South Africa this summer. Right. And then, you know, I plan on going to Europe in the fall. Global, I I and the more that we're connected and learning from each other and and in in that sense of community, the stronger and more powerful we get. It's you know. In five years, I can't imagine. I mean, this country will be completely covered, right? With chapters for sure. Um, and then, you know, we'll have Africa is such a huge place. I wouldn't even say we'll have a good portion of Africa, but we will be making an impact over there. Um, and in other countries too, because, you know, I used to look at it like, oh, where's the place where? There's the most Black people that I can make an impact that I know will come together, blah, blah. Now I look at it as, where's the place where there's the least Black people that need this the most? Never think about it that way. Mm -hmm. But I was like, if you're surrounded by everybody except for you, how I felt, right? That was the whole point. What does that look like? Let's go find those places. Let's let's bring them. Let's, let's bring some community to them. Let's bring some relief to them because it's, it's it's a relief it's a huge relief and if that that's a global thing and i think um being able to to get to those places even if it doesn't mean like we're exchanging wine or any of the rest of that stuff wine is is another part of the community this is about people and humanity and so we could be drinking anything but being able to fit into this space where you are loved and heard and seen just as you are and you're learning and growing, it's global. Oh, it's going to be huge. It's huge. Like, no doubt. Love is going to conquer the world. It is. <laughs> it's nice. It's nice to have, to have goals and objectives and aspirations like these. This is much needed. In times like today, people like you are are, are hope. Because, yeah. you know... Even if it's hard on you, you are helping others that are looking up to you and they're they are seeing, okay, th there is hope, there's potential, there's things we can do. Yeah. And it's a yeah. huge responsibility at the same time. Yeah. Enjoy. It is. <laughs> it's, a, it is, it's a huge responsibility. It's also a huge sacrifice. Mm -hmm. We talked about this, what the sacrifices look like. That I could make... Oh, probably double the money that I make now if I just accepted money from everybody or, you know, I let people use me as a value proposition or um, all that stuff. I, I, I 100%. Um, but alignments are key. Um, I have a responsibility to my community as a leader. I have a responsibility to 
my child, you know, as a mother, I have responsibility to myself, more importantly, like the, the, that integrity. I, I, but I also want to show that you're able to build a community organization without being a nonprofit, right? Because that's the other thing. It's this, this unsaid rule that Black women who lead need to go and die in unmarked graves broke. I refuse. Capitalism is ratchet, but you have to learn how to use it to your advantage. And I think that the responsibility here is responsible, but responsible capitalism. Like, what does that look like? How do you, okay, you have this power. How do you redistribute this power so that other people have power so that they can rise? That's the key. It's not so much, oh, you know, capitalism. This is that. Yes, capitalism sucks, but you, you can't get around it. You have to, you're going to function it. It's just inescapable. How do you function in it and play it so that it's helping other people to function? Mm-hmm. How do you redistribute that? What does that look like? And that's that's what I, I try to do to Houston society. Like, yeah, I'm, I have power. I'm a powerful person. I really am. Mm-hmm. I know that. And I have a lot of privilege. And it's not even just like the wine industry. I'm a lighter skinned woman. And I'm pretty. That's privilege in this particular country, right? Like That's your genes. <laughs> right. There's nothing to do with anything, but it does give me power. Mm-hmm. And so how do you use these things to fulfill somebody else's life, to, to help somebody else, to give somebody else the access and the resources so that they can get power? And, and I think so many people are so scared of that, like the redistribution of it. Like if you think you get somebody else power, it takes your power away. And it doesn't. It doesn't like it's an energy source. Energy isn't segmented into, oh, you have more. No, it's it's like, how are we all going to get to the, the end goal here? And I need more people to help me. So, yeah, I'm going to try and make you as powerful as possible. Yeah, this takes courage. This takes a view on life and uh, values that are so important because very often when people get to power positions of power, you know, people said, you know, power corrupts and great power corrupts greatly. The thing is using power as a tool and money and economic power as a, as a resource to be able to do more of what you want to do and bring more good takes a lot of cool headedness. And, and real understanding of the purpose that you have. Not everyone can do that. But everybody can be taught to do it. It's it's very it's very complicated because you know once you start to get the money and the privileges and things like that, uh, you oh, know the purpose. Yeah, it's kind it's of fun. Like, oh but, well, you know, actually, <laughs> it's not that it. bad out there. Let me. Uh... <laughs> yeah, and, 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 really and, about, and this is hard. This is hard. It is, and it's lonely. Definitely. It's it's lonely sometimes. It is very difficult. And it's lonely. And it's also, if you're not grounded, you start to feel like people are using you. And you do get used, right? Especially if you're a good person. People, people have used me on both sides a lot, you know. Um, and, I, you know, that's the them problem. You won't get the chance to do it again. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I've, I've wisened up. But people, people use me all the time. Um, you know, I've gotten a lot better at it. But it, it is very disheartening and it's it's kind of sad. It makes you it makes me really sad. Like, dang, I was just trying to, you know, genuinely trying to 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 do these great things and to to build with you. And um here we are. 
But, you know, Jay-Z is one of my favorite, not only rappers, but he's one of my favorite businessmen. And if you if you know the story, you know, like the Hugh Society is based off of a, a lyric that he said. Um, but, he, you know, he said something, he said, you know, the, the worst thing that I can do is not build with you when I can destroy you. And that takes some some real self-control, like some real mm-hmm. like inner. It does, because I can <laughs> destroy a lot of people. But for, but for what? Like, what do you mm-hmm. what do you put that out there for? But then you, when you find people trying to destroy you because of their own fear of losing their power and stuff like that. It's just it becomes it's, it's very difficult to kind of deal with. And, and when you get into those situations, it starts to make you not to trust people. And I don't ever want to live in that space. So. Um, I just say who I am. I don't, I won't allow anybody to power to change who I am as a person. That's a, that's a lot of energy that I'm giving you that, you know, and, and you know, vibrations, we're all vibrating, right? Mm-hmm. I would never lower my vibration for some bosses. Like I, and I say this to me all the time, like, I'm not, I'm not participating in low vibrational bullshit. Like, come on. <laughs> like, this is, this is, this is, it's not uh, even so it's a way to screen things. It's like, yeah, this, yes, this, no, this. Yeah, it's a, it's a good way to do it. It's a way yeah. to do, it's a good way this to do it. This doesn't align my vibration. This is going to lower my vibe. I'm not mm-hmm. doing this. Yeah. I don't care who it is. If this is low vibe, no. <laughs> <laughs> this is fascinating. Uh, fortunately, we're getting close to the end. But before we go to the pivot questionnaire, there's, there's one last question I wanted to ask you. Mm-hmm. What would you tell yourself, your younger self, your 10 years, 15 years younger self? Oh, man. Because um, back then at that time, uh, entrepreneur doing a lot of things, flying high, successful and everything. But 15 years ago, something like that. Correct? 10, 15? No, no I wasn't an entrepreneur 15 years ago. I was, I was indoctrinated. I was, I was just learning. Trying to figure out the why. So we do 10 years ago. Okay, 10 years ago. Closer. Um, I was, was 2020. I was at the St. Regis. Mm, St. Regis, yeah. Um, I would tell myself not to not to put myself through that kind of trauma. Like not to put up with that much shit. The shit that I took at the St. Regis is just insurmountable. <laughs> like, and, and the thing is, at the time, you had so many people telling you that you couldn't say anything and it was okay and blah, blah, blah. It's just a part of it. I would tell myself, this is not normal. And you don't have to go through this to be successful. Now, do I regret working at the same regions? Absolutely not. I had some great memories there. It helped to build my career in a lot of ways in which I learned fine wine. Um, a lot, not many people start their, their career. That was my first sound job. Not many people start there, period. Black, white, purple, none of it. So I'm absolutely grateful for that. I'm grateful for the experience. I'm grateful for the opportunity to, to do all those things. But yeah, I would tell myself to stand, stand up for myself a lot more, like for sure, because I, I lost my voice, completely lost my voice there. I was so scared coupled with the CMS thing because I, I didn't get all of these certifications and I was doing this, you know, one CMS certifications, although I went to one of the best wine schools in the country, Wine School Philadelphia, and I and I overknew what you know I needed to know. I still had that insecurity and and almost that imposter syndrome that I didn't belong there because I didn't have this certification. I was so scared of people finding that out that I just took anything. I was just waiting for the moment when someone was going to be like, "You don't belong here," and actually fire me or 
you know, losing my career, losing my livelihood, that I just took anything. I would never <laughs> in this day, absolutely not, you know, watch your tone when you're talking to me, figure out how you're going to talk to me. Like, don't, absolutely not. Like, in nobody, nobody. It, but then I completely lost my voice. I had to find my voice all over again. And at the end, you know, I, I it was developing, but that the, the, those power structures kind of shrink you down to nothingness. And that's how I felt. And the thing is, I knew I was good at my job. I just didn't feel like I was good at my job. I felt like my job was on the line every single day. They were going to be like, yo, this black girl, you know, we're sick of her being here. I thought the guests were going to complain about me existing there and I was going to get fired. That's how much fear and like oppression I was living under in that luxury space. And then it wasn't a lot of black psalms and or black women psalms. And so I was very much in this space by myself. And I didn't know a lot of them. That doesn't mean it didn't exist. It just meant that I didn't, we weren't connected. And so it was very lonely. I took a lot and I would never, I would absolutely, I wouldn't say quit, but I would tell myself like, girl, you don't got to take that. Like, you don't have, you don't have to deal with this. You don't, you don't. Wow. Fantastic. I, a lot of people should listen to you even more and more and more and more and more and more. People should listen to you. Fantastic. So it's just like, oh yeah. Uh, yes, we have to finish. <laughs> to say we could go on. <laughs> the, the people questionnaire. So it's the first thing that comes to your mind. Are you okay. ready? Okay, so what's your favorite word? Bitch. <laughs> okay, let me let me think about it. No, it's okay, it's okay. It's okay. There's no beeping. No, there. it is. Uh, no, actually, it's not true. F, F, the F word is my favorite word, but I don't know why B came. I like cussing. I'm a very, I, I'm a very articulate person. But cussing just adds a seasoning that, you know. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Uh, what's your least favorite word? Um, I the first thing that came to my mind was no. What's your favorite virtue? Integrity. What's your favorite quality in a man? Mm. Uh, gosh, I haven't dated in so long. Um, honesty, and or or funny, funny honesty. No, because you can be a funny bastard. Honesty. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite quality in a woman? Confidence. What wine would you use to describe yourself? Um, I think I'm a bottle of bubbles, but that was aged on wood. Yeah, I'm a I'm a I'm a rounder bottle of bubbles. Okay. Yeah. What aroma or smell do you love? Flowers. Oh, grass though. After I the rain or before the rain? <laughs> cut grass. Cut oh grass. my god, fresh cut grass! I just like. <sighs> makes me feel so good i love it oh. i love flowers too right. what's your favorite curse word I, i think we we got that one or there's something oh. else <laughs> well fuck is generally my my favorite curse word i mean it just comes out of my mouth so effortlessly <laughs> yeah what sound or noise do you love sound or noise sound of my child's voice it's so soothing it really is i mean if it, the mommy thing it's you kind of just like jesus christ but Her voice is just like this. It's so mellow. And she just talks as 
it's amazing. So basically, if you were with her and she talks to you and you're on a field with cut grass, it's like heaven. Oh my God, we lay, we lay, and she loves flowers too. We just lay and just, yeah. Hmm? Well, what sound or noise do you hate? I can't stand the sound of kids crying. That was really a struggle for me. <laughs> I can't stand it. It drives me insane to the point where I'll give you whatever you want. Like, here, okay, just, just stop crying. <laughs> Uh, what plant or animal would you like to be reincarnated in? Oh, I want to be a yucca tree. A yucca tree? Yeah, a yucca plant. Like, oh, I love them. They're so strong and just, I have one and I had it since she was a baby. And like now she's like this and she's so resistant to like, you know, a lot of these other plants, is, she's just, she's just so strong. And now granted, I don't like, I'm, I'm kind of in my soft era. I don't like, you know, being referred to as strong anymore. But the elegance of this tree is just so beautiful. Yeah. And they're rooted. Right. They're strongly. Like, that's what I meant by strongly. Like, they're very rooted. Thank you. Rooted is a better word. They're very rooted. rooted. Yeah. Rooted. And last question. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Girl... So I'm about to say something. I'm about to make a real cultural reference. Like, I know you fucking lying, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> um I, you know, I, I think I, I'm a hope that he would say, um, don't worry, you know, your work will continue. Like they're good. I would like him to hear to say, like, they're good. Don't worry. Tahira Habibi, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you. This is amazing.